This is Man Afraid of Everything. I'm 34 years old, and I'm afraid of going to a jazz club. Each episode comes in two parts. In the first part, I worry about everything that could happen. In the second part, I tell you about everything that did happen. Just a quick note at the top. I want to say thanks to Katie and Peggy for their kind words about the show. It means a lot. I'm afraid that I'm not afraid enough of going to a jazz club to do an episode about it. What is the worst that could happen? I have a good time? I've never been to a jazz club because I've never been invited to a jazz club, or a blues club, or a nightclub. I've always had this thing. When I first meet people, I can be stoic and hard to read. I'd get invited to something, but because I was shy, I never talked, and I didn't act in ways that people expected. I think they thought I just wasn't having a good time, and I'd rather be somewhere else. So eventually, I just didn't get invited to anything. I guess I'm afraid I'll never really be able to accept being introverted. What would happen if I was invited to a jazz club and I didn't get lost in my head? Would I be able to get past obsessing over the new environment, sounds, and people to appreciate the music? What is jazz music? I have no idea. I thought jazz was the blues until I went on the Caribbean cruise and they had a blues band. What kind of instruments do jazz musicians play? Is there a singer? Is there dancing? Sure, I could Google these things, but Google can't answer questions like, How dark is it going to be? What should I eat before I go? Should I wear a suit? Is it going to be cold? What should we talk about? My only exposure to jazz music is the 1996 film, That Thing You Do, about an aspiring jazz drummer named Guy Patterson, who falls into a pop band that produces a one-hit wonder. When I was 17, I sat on the couch and watched that movie and worried about whether or not I was going to make the varsity basketball team. The only thing I ever cared about in life until then was basketball. It was something I could do alone after school. I wanted to make the team, but I tried to downplay it so I wouldn't be disappointed if I didn't. Who wants to practice that much anyway? I'd probably just sit on the bench. I didn't make the team. It was okay. I got over it pretty quick. 17 years later, I still have dreams about not making the high school basketball team. In my dreams, I'm sitting in the locker room, but I don't have a uniform. Or the game's about to start, and I have to run to the bathroom, and then I wake up. One time, I had a uniform, but I missed the whole game because I couldn't find my shoes. Oh, what's that? You're working on a show about a jazz club? No, Jed, you're, you're going to jury duty. Because it's your American duty to judge people. Alright, the night before, you're going to download a bunch of books, and you're going to bring a lot of snacks for your boring wait in the jury room. But then, you're going to be the first panel called, and you're going to be selected as a juror for a civil case. Don't worry, they won't know you have trouble making decisions. You'll freak out about the responsibility, though, and worry about being trapped in the jury box. And then after you're dismissed for the day, you'll chug a bunch of water and eat two burritos and Spanish rice. 
and you'll get really bad acid reflux and take Pepsid AC, which is usually a bad sign since you only take antacids when you're about to throw up, but you're not going to throw up right away. Instead, you'll try to sleep curled up next to the wall until the blessed time comes. When that angel of nausea does arrive, you're going to run to the bathroom and throw up all over the sink, the walls, your soap, and your toothbrush. The next morning, you're going to wake up shaking and get sick again and notice some blood in the toilet. So you'll try to find a number to call, but they can't have a trial with 11 jurors. So you'll scoop the red blobs into a plastic bag to take it to the ER, but then you'll realize those are just tomatoes. Your temperature will be 100.2. You'll take the train downtown and explain your situation to the bailiff. And then you're going to tell the other jurors you had food poisoning really bad last night. And when you say you ate at the corner bakery, you'll be able to tell who also ate at the corner bakery because they will look very concerned. Once you get in the courtroom, you'll listen to witness testimonies. Then for lunch, you're going to get a veggie wrap and pick at the tortilla. But you'll jump for joy when they let everyone out early and you'll secretly wonder if it was because of you. The third and final day, you're going to listen to defense witnesses and closing remarks. Each side will make a compelling argument. You'll be sent to the jury room where you'll collectively reach a verdict within a couple of hours. Right before they knock and tell you to come out to read the verdict, you're going to make an inside joke. Everyone is going to laugh. You're going to exit the room feeling really embarrassed for laughing so loudly and not respecting the gravity of the situation. The foreman's going to read the verdict, and nobody on the jury is going to look the losing party in the eye. You'll collect your things and be escorted to the judge's chambers, where for a split second, you'll wonder if he's going to yell at you for laughing in the deliberation room. But instead, he's going to thank you for your service, and he's going to give you a sweet certificate. As you say goodbye to fellow jurors, the foreman's going to reach out, shake your hand, and say, Good luck to your health. You're going to forever be known as Jed, the guy who got food poisoning. I went to a jazz club. I've been doing a lot of things lately that are out of character. I want to tell you about them but it'll have to wait. One of the things I've been doing is taking classes, and my classmate, Preethi, was doing a tour of Chicago jazz spots. She invited some of us to the Green Mill Cocktail Lounge. The Green Mill. I looked it up. Not too far away. Cover charge. Cash only. They don't serve any food. What if I get hungry? It was a beautiful Saturday, so traffic was probably going to be bad. On my drive down to the city, I considered earplugs. What if the music's too loud? Concerts can be loud. I used to have earplugs in the center console of my car. Why? Because that is who I am. Unfortunately, I took them out for the flight to Florida for our cruise. I noticed my phone battery was hovering around 17% because the charger doesn't stay plugged in very well. If the charger broke and my phone died, I'd be forced to live downtown forever. At least I'd have moved out. While I wondered if Google Maps avoided areas of high crime or gang activity, I saw yellow signs that said, Safe Passage. These are pathways for school children to use safely, without fear of gang violence. 
I should not be complaining about battery life and earplugs. I started to worry about parking. It's free parking, so it'll probably be packed, and I won't find any parking, so I'll have to drive around the block looking for street parking, and then I'll have to look at all the rules on the signs to make sure I can really park there, and then I'll have to pay the thing, but it's going to be a credit card thing, and what if it has a skimmer on it, and someone steals my card, and... <sighs> I missed the parking lot, but I didn't panic like I used to. Instead, I looped around the block. When I pulled in, the guy taking money told me to drive all the way around and come in next to the Jeep. I must have looked confused because he said, don't worry, it'll all make sense in a second. How could he tell I was worried? I drove all the way around and parked next to the Jeep. Before I had even shut the car off, I sent a text to let the group know I had arrived, just so that I wouldn't have to worry about going in, in case they didn't go in yet. And if they did go in, I thought the venue would be huge and I wouldn't be able to find them. I walked past tour buses on the street. How big was this place? I waited in line at the door, and the bouncer checked my ID and let me inside. It was not a big place. There were booths on the right-hand side, all the way down the wall. The bathrooms were in the far right-hand corner. The bar itself was on the left wall. Tons of bottles, lots of dust, and an old cash register that still dinged. The tiny stage was on the back wall and featured a support pole just off-center in the middle of the stage. I met up with Preeti and a couple of her friends. We sat in a small half-circle booth and I ordered a club soda with lime and sipped it slowly so I wouldn't have to pee. I paced myself to one drink over the period of three hours. It was dark, but I could still see some of the historical flourishes. There were recessed paintings with giant wooden frames. According to the Chicago Reader, those frames used to house dirty needles in the 1980s. Patrons used to lounge in the booths and jab themselves. Now, nervous men make podcasts from them. I tried to plan out the optimal bathroom break so I wouldn't bother anybody. I wanted to go before the band started playing because I didn't want to be a distraction and walk past the drummer while he was performing. Throughout the night, plenty of people walked past him while he was performing, and he didn't miss a beat. When our other classmate Michael showed up, I used it as an opportunity to take a break in the atrociously smelly bathroom. It had a stall, but I don't think the door ever worked. After I came back out, we all squeezed into the booth. It was time for the band to start playing. The host introduced Ben Allison and Think Free and told us they were having a quiet performance. The crowd hushed as the band started playing. It was a quartet featuring guitar, bass, trumpet, and drums. I didn't need earplugs. The music felt chaotic and made me kind of anxious. My hands started to sweat a little, and I thought I should ask to touch Preeti's hands to prove I have clammy hands for the show. But how do you even explain that? I was just overreacting to a new place. Luckily, it didn't take long to calm down. I looked around, and everyone was bobbing their head to a different part of the music. Welcome to jazz. An older bald guy in a red coat manned the emergency exit and policed the area for any mobile phones, video recording, or talking. They were very serious about the quiet performance. The performers themselves were very intense. Every so often, the trumpet player blew as loudly as possible directly into the microphone. 
The bass player closed his eyes, felt the music, and sweated profusely, just like me at jury duty. I started to fall into a groove when the first set came to an end. During the break, everyone at the table talked for a bit. There I was, sharing a booth with a biomedical researcher, investment analyst, reinsurance analyst, and a doctor. And then there was me. I, uh, do a podcast. A cocktail waitress came out of the bathroom holding a glass full of tips. Did I miss a tip jar? Later, a guy wearing a red and black flannel exited the men's room. He had a giant mustache and a baseball cap. He made his way over and joined the crowd of people who blocked the view from our booth. The back of his hat said, Supreme. It was packed. At this point in the past, I would have freaked out, because I was trapped. But I was fine. The circular air vents on the ceiling had these shiny plastic discs underneath them, so I just chilled out and stared at the reflection of the trumpet player in the ceiling. It was perfect. I couldn't see the guitarist and think, I wonder how old that guitar is. I wish I had played guitar. Maybe I could take lessons. I bet he's been playing for 20 years. Do I have 20 years left to learn guitar? Instead, I could just relax and enjoy the music. I'd been worried about getting lost in my head and being too quiet, but we weren't even allowed to talk. While the band played, a woman passed out and fell into people like they were bowling pins. My first thought was, this is great for the podcast. I hope nothing's really wrong with her, but this is great for the podcast. Her friend helped her up and took her to the bathroom. She seemed fine when they came back out. She probably just drank too much on an empty stomach. Maybe they should consider serving food. After a series of intense solos, the second performance came to an end. The band announced they were going to play a third set in jazz club style. What's jazz club style? I'm not sure. We didn't stay for the third performance. Right after I left the bar, alone, I walked past the line of people waiting to get in. A man was aggressively asking people for money, and we locked eyes briefly. He did a quick U-turn and started following me. He didn't say anything, which made me nervous. So I walked down to the end of the block, and I made a quick stop to fake him out, and I peered around the corner like I was looking for my friends. Oh, I guess my friends aren't down here. The guy kept walking and crossed the street. I turned around and headed back toward the club. Once he'd crossed completely, I went back around the corner and hustled down the empty street to the parking lot. I'm glad I didn't read up on the green mill too much before, because I would have went in with preconceived notions. It used to be a rough and tumble neighborhood, and there were fights in the women's bathroom. Al Capone used to be a frequent guest, and a member of his syndicate named Jack Machine Gun McGurn used to be a part owner of the Green Mill. In 1927, a singer named Joe Lewis chose to sign a contract with a rival gang instead of the Green Mill. So to send a warning, Machine Gun McGurn sent three enforcers to assault Joe Lewis at his hotel. They slashed his throat and stabbed him in the gut. He survived the attack. Considering the vast span of human history, 1927 isn't that long ago. I'm surprised I made it out of the Green Mill alive. Jazz music was fun, and Preethi has already invited me to join them again sometime. I'm glad I didn't look like I wasn't having a good time. 
I still need to open up more, though. I can't live my entire life as a quiet performance. Thanks for listening to Season 2, Episode 7. There may not be another one. Man Afraid of Everything is me, Jed. You can find more episodes at getafraid.com. Music by FF Lowbeats. The Jazz Club clip comes from Realm Sound Design. Thanks again to Preethi for the invite, and thanks to Michael for showing up. So what should I do next? Visit getafraid.com and let me know, and maybe I'll do it.